Back to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the financial planning space. I am thrilled today to be joined by Jillian Nell of Inscription Capital. She is the director of financial planning, and she also moonlights as the academic director of the CFP graduate certificate program at Rice University. Jillian, welcome. Thank you, Justin. Happy to be here. Thank you. And thank you for enduring my very lengthy introduction. Um, Jillian, you are extremely talented and are all over the place in the financial planning space. Um, but before we get started, tell us a little bit about how you became a financial planner in the first place. Um, well, if I was able to tell my age 21, 22 year old self what I did for a living, she'd be very disappointed in the older <laughs> her. Uh, so, you know, I find that, and this is not true for everybody, but, you know, when you are a female, generally you're not persuaded into financial services. It's, it's not an inclination that you have. So in college, I pursued a marketing degree, which, you know, seemed to be more my style, but, you know, planning, you have to be extremely creative and do lots of advertising and it's all about communication. So that still Absolutely. helps. Absolutely. Um, but I fell into the industry, started working for um, an advisor with an insurance company, and that practice was extremely transactional, and I hated that aspect of it. It was everything that I never wanted to be, um, and I'm naturally a problem solver. I think that's one, one way that women are especially adept at financial planning is because, you know, we're solving the family's problems usually as a default. Um, and again, being creative and, and every situation is different. Every client relationship is different than the last. And so you just got to figure it out. Um, so, but I, I, from, from my experience there, I did not want to be a transactional advisor. I wanted there to be reasons why we did certain things and the client had ownership over those experiences and those decisions and understood it and was comfortable. Um, with everything that we talked about and everything that we did. Um, and and that, that makes my practice extremely sticky um, and very, uh, you know, rewarding for me and for the client, you know, when the market is terrible, like it has been for the last nine months. Um, and during the, you know, hyper, hyperbolic or whatever the right word is, uh, our black swan event in March and April of 2020, I had clients calling me and asking me if I was okay. And that all came out of the planning process. So, you know, I seeing what I didn't want to do pushed me super towards problem solving and solutions based financial advice. And so that led me to get the CFP and the rest is pretty much history. Oh, I love that. I love how your your background gives you unique skills um, to be, uh, I, I say this term and I don't mean it in a negative way, but a generalist in that you know a little bit about so many different things and all of those things from psychology and communication and still, you know, like you said, problem solving, analysis, weighing these options, all those skills, the, the soft skills, the hard skills, they all get blended together in a way yeah. that, that helps you 
be a you know successful uh, communicator to clients. And, and your example is is really, I think, well well received because you know that's really the mark of of a, of a really healthy relationship, right? Like it's not you just trying to you know figure out what what buttons to push for this person. This is genuinely a you know a relationship business that that you're engaged in. I love that. Um, so, in addition to all these other awesome, you know, descriptions that we gave at the beginning. You are a CFP. You're also a CDAA, and um, help us understand the the decision to pursue that designation. Well, I think I am a glutton for punishment a little bit. I love <laughs> upon layer upon layer stuff to do, so that's one issue. Um, Makes sense. But I do really enjoy ownership of information. I don't like to give any advice unless I feel like I have done my due diligence about the space or the concept or, you know, that I really know what I'm talking about and can, can not only talk about it, but can also uh, communicate it into a way that people understand and it's memorable. Um, and, uh, you know, so after getting the CFP, I, I uh, pursued a divorce designation so that I could help, you know, executive women with issues with divorce. And then after that, I don't know why, but that led me to, got, I guess I got bored. Um, but I had a lot of clients coming to me in uh, late 2020, early 2021, wanting exposure to digital assets, as they all do when, when digital assets are at the peak, everybody wants some. Yep. Um, and now it's like pulling teeth to get them to invest. Uh, so we can talk about that in another podcast, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but in, in, in getting, and I had enough people ask me about it and they especially had, you know, a lot of my practice is pre-tax assets as far as managed money is concerned. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the options are limited when I did my research on what we could do in those accounts, you know, it, it I didn't like, I didn't like it. It was too expensive. You know, we're fee based. If we do have some type of wrap product, it's usually an ETF. We try to go low cost because, you know, they really are paying us for, you know, that in the investment selection criteria. Um, and so, you know, the options out there were limited. And I also didn't feel like I had, you know, the ownership of advising on you know, when, when it became volatile, if I would be able to explain why or prepare the client for, we can do this, but these are all the risks that you need to be aware of. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, was exposed to, uh, in searching that out, you know, they, our wonderful friend, uh, uh, Mr. Blumberg, who spreads himself very thin as well and is dedicated to educating people like me. I saw him at um, uh, FPA meeting and was like, okay, mm -hmm. here's my ticket. Here's the person that I want to pursue this education with, um, you know, and as he makes it so easy to, to learn and inspires you to do so and gives you good resources and, um, you know, the, the pros and cons and how to conceptualize things and how to communicate it. Um, and once I heard him speak, I signed up for the class for CDAA immediately after that. Jillian, is is Adam on the other like side of the? Can I not see him? Is he there paying you right now to say these nice things? Okay, no, um, no it's <laughs> I I. It's funny because I obviously had the same exact experience in that yeah. I found him on YouTube and I was like, okay, I don't understand the wizard thing, but I I, I just man, he makes this sound so simple. I'm going to sign up for this course. 
Um, that's, and that's I'm, a, I'm a teacher too. And so just to see him with the blackboard and he's doing it without any slides, I'm like, wow, this guy is a genius. You know, like I am so slide driven and, you know, very regimented yeah. as far as which slide I need to get on at which point in class. And he just lets it flow the way it flows as Satoshi would agree with, right? He's a purist. Yep. Um, and yep. so, well, you know, he's an OG. Yep. OG for sure. Well, so he, he, okay, well, he was the, I, I was inspired to get educated, but then he really was the catalyst uh, to really go in, yeah, in as, deep with the space and also, you know, feel really fired up and be, I mean, I am a total digital asset bull as much as we can put there as possible within reason. Um, and, you know, he was, he was the education for that. We'll, we'll, we'll end the Adam Bloomberg love fest podcast um, and transition over. No, we, I, I think, I, I couldn't say that any better because, you know, Adam is definitely a, a pillar and an icon in this very, very young space because, you know, he took it upon himself to help so many of us, you know, younglings find our way. And then also, you know, helped create this, this planner DAO, which, you know, is, it still blows my mind that we are this community that was just completely given a gift of that designation. Um, so for those of you who are listening and you don't realize, um, Steve Larson and Adam Bloomberg created the CDA designation as a um, just an education course. And because they felt so strongly about a community governed uh, designation in the space, they gifted the CDA designation, all of its intellectual property, the course, the content, everything to the Planner DAO. So um you know, it really is the distinguishing mark of our community. And so, we, you know, I call him the godfather sometimes, but but Adam is definitely that. He's the godfather around here. Um, so you, you you know, besides paying Adam his, you know, uh, fee for, for talking so rosily about him, you, you get the CDA designation. Walk me through the conversations that you had inside your own financial planning firm. So you, you, you're not a, are you a solo practitioner? Are there other professionals that you work with or connect with? How, how did, how did those conversations go where you, you're telling them about how much of a CDAA, you know, and, and crypto bull you are, how, how, how were those conversations? Uh, so I'm, I have a wonderful position here at Inscription. Um, I moved a practice with a, a partner of mine that I had in a previous firm, and we came here in uh, 2019. Um, and, and the benefit to doing so is we moved away from ownership of an RIA, which I did not love. Okay, and because it took away so much time from, you know, actually doing the work for the clients. Um, and moved over here and as such moved our book and it's a successful book and that's helpful because when I want to do stuff like venture into different areas or different conceptuals or different solutions for clients, you know, so long as I've done the due diligence and uh, I can, you know, the answer is usually yes. I mean, of course, there's stuff to jump through like insurance and figuring it out and um, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But but it really I have had the opportunity to do it because um, it's the, the culture within inscription it is very open and outsourced in that manner. Um, uh, so when I, when I got the CDAA, I did tell my partner, Rick, who, who came over here with me that he must get it too. that, you know, this is going to be a, um, a space that we're going to be, you know, first in um, and every, and that was, you know, middle of last year. 
Um, and, and we've had a lot of successful conversations with clients about it. Um, there's no there's no issue in selling the concept at all um, to them or to compliance for the firm. Um, uh, now it's just actually getting the assets over and hmm. getting them allocated. Wow. Um, so so you know, I, 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 there wasn't any special magical thing that I did besides I did the due diligence. I created the spreadsheet. I said, these are all the things that I've researched. I've gotten educated, made Rick get educated. We really want to do this. We're talking about a very small portion of the client's portfolio, you know, um, and they said, great, if you're fired up about it, go ahead. And I, oh, I, awesome. I am, I am convinced that, you know, when, when, when our winter is over, okay, that they will be knocking on my door asking for advice on, on <laughs> of their own. So, and I'll make them pay. Well, that's, <laughs> I think that's awesome. And, and, you know, it underscores some other conversations we've been having in the Dow about, you know, there, there seemed to be this movement of building sort of a solo brand practice. And, you know, the, you had this lifestyle, um, you know, opportunity to sort of just be your own one man show kind of thing. And lately we've been hearing more stories that you've shared. And that is, you know, there, there just seems to be a change in the climate, whether it's from a cost perspective or just compliance that just the the actual maintenance of a firm is becoming more and more significant so that you're, you're faced with more choices. Like, do you want to just run a business or do you want to be in you know relationship with your clients? Those two things are becoming more challenging to do. And so it's interesting to hear your story um, because it, it really piggybacks on some of the ones we've just finished. And I think, too, it also underscores just how important it is to find a, a firm that has a very open, uh, open culture and perspective that they're not so rigid in how they're viewing, you know, this is our, these are our assets, this is our mix, this is our strong suit, we're only going to focus on triple net lease, you know, realty alternatives, and that's our thing, right? I mean, you, you found a, a, a firm that is open-minded to, you know, innovation and different yeah, things. We, and, and we really went looking for a firm that we could complement with, with the things that we do well, but had resources for us with the things that they do well. Um, you know, so that, I mean, that's the way the client is served best is that I focus on the financial planning. My partner, Rick, is focused on the actual investment selection. You know, some of the other guys in the firm do private equity really well. And if we are sharing all this information together, you know, that benefits yeah. the client so much because you can't do it all. You can try yeah. and be really crappy at it, but if you focus on the thing that you're passionate about, right, then, you know, the client is going to have the best outcome and that's what they pay us for. And they think that we're comprehensive in the advice that we give, even if we're focused on one area. I mean, that's, that's what most clients think is, well, they yeah. know, they know this space, right. But the space is so large, you know, how can you be a master of it all? Absolutely. And if you have the, the systems in place to find out the answers, then, you know, that's at the end of the day, what they trust you to do. Right. Um, so we we're, we're moving along this story. Um, you know, you've got your CDA, your, your, your firm, your partner, everybody's on board. Um, and then it comes time to sort of pulling the trigger and actually implementing all of this stuff. Right. And this is where we are hearing firms just, getting stuck, getting bogged down, there, there's hurdles, um, you know, that the process is still not very intuitive. It's not very straightforward. Um, 
help us share just if you will, just some of the, maybe some of the setbacks or things that, you know, you've experienced and that, you know, as a way to just sort of humanize this process, right? Because it's, it's still early. The infrastructure is still being built. It's like, you know, we say all the time, we're, we're flying the plane while we're building it. It's, it's yeah. a bumpy, turbulent ride. Um, but those are still real things that you have to navigate. So why don't you share some of your experience? Um, so, you know, selling an allocation to digital assets is easy, right? I can, I can communicate the value proposition. We can talk about, you know, we got through the merge. It was successful, no hiccups. You know, this is going to be a depleting asset. We really do want to make sure you own some, the demand institutions haven't even really gotten involved really to any degree just yet you know we see things like fidelity and schwab investing in in you know digital asset exchanges and that's huge because they're so conservative schwab doesn't do anything it's like grandpa <laughs> grandpa <laughs> tradfi right so we can discuss all these things um and clients are on board it's just then actually getting the money and then we also discuss why we don't want to use grayscale why we don't want to do the ETS, even though it's super easy, we can get into the SEC and its lack of ability to approve an ETF, which would be awesome. Um, but you know why direct ownership of digital assets is so important. Okay, and I get all that, and I even say, you know, it's going to be a little bit cumbersome. I can't do everything for you like you're used to. So we've, you know, over the last ten years, I've built out a, a significant planning practice where most everything is taken care of for the client because I know that the path of least resist, the least the client has to do, the more automated we can make this process, yeah. the more successful they will be. It's the same as like, you know, more employees contribute to their 401k if we've got a negative election set up. If they have to do nothing, they will save. It, you know, if they have to make the choice or fill out the paperwork or go online, they won't save, yeah, right? It's just a human trait. So when it comes to getting, you know, exposure to digital assets, even if it's a tiny little percentage, you know, the process is extremely cumbersome. Um, just as it's cumbersome for setting up a Coinbase account or, you know, Gemini account on your own and doing CYA and all that is cumbersome too. Um, this is the same thing, but it is yeah. a little bit on a higher schedule because their their emotional or their expectation for anything associated with what we're doing for them is that you know there's very little that they have to do. So yeah. so that is that's hard because then when when stuff needs to be um, processed over and over again, or there's all these confirmation emails or whatever it is, or we have to link the accounts, uh, wires work differently. Uh, you know, and then when it takes a couple of months to get all this done, and especially since we've had digital assets be so below for so long, not any, you know, I can talk about investments that the client owns that are down more than 10%, they're down 80% when, when Bitcoin's only down 60 and, and then they get, they get that, yeah. but they just, there's some kind of emotional thing with digital assets where everybody wants it when it's high and nobody wants it when it's low. So on top of it being super cumbersome to get everything set up, they're used to being able to log into Schwab or Fidelity or whatever it is, see their accounts. This doesn't exist, you know, through the brokerage relationship with, with us and doing direct ownership of digital assets. 
that because that's so cumbersome and it takes a lot of time, it also takes some conceptual mental process to to understand that it's it's DeFi, it's not it's not traditional finance, right? So we have to jump through some different hoops. Uh, but but that that process takes too long, and because assets are down, I have had a couple of clients say, "Well, I think it's a sign from above that I shouldn't invest here." Mm -hmm. So it really is like the worst of behavioral finance ever. I want to buy it when it's up. It's hard to get it done. So I'm just going to totally eliminate the value proposition of this asset because it's too hard for me to figure it out. No, um, they, I you know, really appreciate you. Go ahead. I was just going to say, as soon as Bitcoin gets back to 30, they'll be clamoring at my doors and, you know, upset about it. And I'm like, you know, you thought it was a sign yeah. from above, right? And, and you know, yeah. it, I don't want to lose any more than I already have, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, so it, it's just really hard to get them to say, I don't know what it is. It's some kind of crazy thing. I think it's just, it's the newness of it. It's that it's all software. And so yeah. that's, you know, a hurdle. Uh, and the reminder of, you know, this is a brand new financial system. Um, and we just got to yeah. figure it out and you got to bear with me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you sharing um, that perspective and, and that experience because I, I think first it's you're not you're certainly not alone. And I think if you're another advisor listening to this, take comfort that th this is just sort of what it is, you know. And um, I also appreciate, you know, I, I had the same thing. I remember back when, you know, coming up with like your sort of client niche was was it becoming a thing. Um, and I remember thinking that I really wanted to segment my, my business by financial personality type. And I found that I worked best with delegators, right? Like I needed, I needed people who were either, I called them family stewards and they were, they were delegators. So they were willing to save, they're willing to sacrifice, you know, maybe, um, you know, the latest toy to, you know, save into their, you know, Roth IRA or their kids 529 that might, my, my communication, my style, my own perspectives are sort of aligned with those people. And so just like you, I developed this habit of just pretty much taking care of all the things for them, right? Like that's, I was a, a really strong believer that that is what they're paying us to do. If they can do it themselves, why, why are they paying me a fee? And so because of that, you know, and it sounds like you're, you're very good at your job. You, you are successful in taking those things off their plate. And now all of a sudden it's like, I actually need you to do a couple more things. I, I actually need you to, you know, be I more created involved a in this process. Yes, you did. Absolutely. You did. And, um, it's fascinating because I, again, I had a similar experience doing crypto with my, my existing clients. It just, it just didn't work the way I sort of thought it would, you know, yeah. it just, um, and, and you bring, you brought up just the fact that, this account lives somewhere else and it's a foreign place to them. And then, you know, it's just this, like you said, it's, it's this reality that it's really not even a part of this traditional space, right? It's like something, something that's even on this completely different sort of stratosphere of technology. And, you know, you have to go over there to, to see it. You have to go, you know, to this other portal to, you know, check its value or to do anything. It, it's, I found that, and honestly, some of this was my fault in not managing those expectations up front. And I think you, you really did say it well that, you know, when, when crypto is humming along, everyone just feels the excitement they feel and see very tangibly, 
just all of the possibilities that are out there. And so it's very easy and natural to get them to buy in in, in those moments. And it's just so much harder when, I mean, what are, I, I was getting calls the other day about like, you know, all, there's all this regulation and the regulators are coming and doing this. And I saw bills getting proposed that are going to do this and that. And like, That's everything's going to go away. Yeah. 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 No regulation is regulatory clarity is something we've asked for, yeah. but it, it changes that, that sort of climate that that's the feeling of this is truly still revolutionary tech because this doesn't feel like it right now. And um, I found that having to reset those expectations was, was something that I had to do a much better job with because it is more involved. It is more difficult. There's more steps. Um, so real quick, when you were, when you were introducing this to your clients, um, it sounds like, you know, you were very successful in communicating with them what it was and, and, and why, um, and even like why you spent so much time putting this small allocation in their, um, you know, in their portfolio. Um, did you have conversations about uh, sort of the, the, I'm, I'm thinking about the onboarding process that, that was just, um, you, you mentioned wires. I remember getting pushed back, like, why do I have to wire money? I've never had to wire anything. Um, you know, just yeah, can I write walk a check? me through some of the, no, you can't right. Write a check. that's right. That's right. And just getting the funds over there. Um, I'm just curious how, how you, you communicated some of those, those things. Cause again, I, I feel like we're, we're all, we're all getting stuck in similar places. And so it's just helpful to hear, um, you know, just other people's experiences about, uh, I, I, again, I remember when I'm like, Hey, you have to wire this money from Schwab into this account. And they're like, I've never wired anything. I don't even know how I didn't know Schwab wires were a thing, right? Like I just assumed everything ACH or, you know, a cat it over and it's right. like, you know, and I have to sign not. something like, yeah, Schwab does exactly. want your signature on a wire, right? Yeah. Yep. And it does need to yep. be a wire. Um, yeah. Uh, it, you just bear with me, you know, and we got to get the money over there. As soon as we get it there, it'll be good. And then, you know, it's not so much the wire, it's, it's, it's the paperwork. And I don't know why that hangs yeah. people up so much. And then inadvertently Schwab will have something wrong with the paperwork or, you know, there's just seems to be some kind of obstacle. And I don't yeah. think that Schwab, Fidelity seems to be a little easier to deal with, but Schwab Bank as a bank has, I think, some type of algorithm within their wire system or move money system where if they know it's going to Gemini, they cause problems. I, I'm convinced. <laughs> and, well, they, and they, you know, they... as much as I say, we may have to do this a couple of times just because it's the nature of the beast and it's a new asset class. And so even the custodians are figuring it out. Uh, you know, you can yeah. set those expectations, but you know, it just, it, yeah. it's so time consuming. I think not only that it's contacting the client saying we need to do this again, but then it's also time consuming on your own, on your, as far as your time yeah. is concerned for a small, small piece of the pie, you know? And then that's yeah. also my argument to clients is like, the, to the budsters, like this is a very small portion. This is your, you know, it, it seems to resonate with them this, for me to say, this is your roulette money. Okay. We're just doing a little bit, right? You don't want to miss it if it goes up, right? And if it goes down, who cares? 
Can we go back yeah. to that? And I do think it's very much worth that because you have to explain the value proposition every time you say, hey, I need you to do something else to get this money over there. And it's just, it's very time consuming. And I think we are all yeah. feeling that fatigue. Um, you know. uh, there, there's there's no doubt, you know, and, and to some extent, you know, you've got these legacy systems that are just designed to not connect to the new and maybe some of that is on on purpose and some of that is just you know delay tactics while they figure stuff out for themselves um right. but it's so, it's as soon as schwab really starts to make money off of some kind of digital asset something then i'm sure the money will move faster uh, yeah they'll, they'll magically have figured out their process yeah. um but yeah it, it's it's it is still a frustrating thing. And like you said, it's just a, a drain on resources time. And, you know, I think to, to some extent, it's, it's sort of why, you know, your, your, your commitment and your passion to and belief in the space is, is really like the, the, the spark that keeps, you know, the flame lit because it's, it's not, you know, if you think about it, it's, it's everything is still stacked against you to be able to do this. It the absolutely way is. That, and, and, you know, in my yeah. opinion, that means it's worth the effort. I, I mean, it really yeah. does. It, between that and then I also had some issues over the last couple of months with, you know, insurance and, you know, I just want to throw my hands up. But, yeah. you know, it, it, and so, so I do want to encourage everybody out there that I do think it's worth the effort. And, I, you know, I, one appreciation of the winter that we have been through is that I haven't missed any upside which is great. You know, uh, you know, I would like for assets to stay where they are until I can really have the SOPs set up and we have everything running smoothly. But, you know, I, I may have another month or two on that where that's concerned. But I am extremely bullish on digital assets. I do not see any other space where we can really make some money. And, you know, I, the prudent thing is to keep a very small amount of assets there for a client for volatility reasons and all of that. But, you know, I would love to do more because you know we are going to be living on the blockchain all assets are going to trade on the blockchain you know our financial yep. life will be on the blockchain uh, you know not even going into the applications of the metaverse and social and living and all that stuff but you know and having people understand that this is the future you're getting in on the ground floor and how important that is it's worth all this effort and it's for advisors uh, who have started this process, you're doing the right thing. I really think that we are going to be ahead of the game and going through this, you know, when the real money starts to invest, when institutions really start to invest in a big way, we will be so ahead of the game and created a lot of wealth for your clients. And, you know, what else are we here for? Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's well said. And I think a good, helpful reminder of sort of where we are, you know, we, we've, we've been saying that, you know, uh, fads do not follow adoption curves. And if you line up crypto adoption with internet use adoption, it, it, it actually is incredibly, um, you know, similar. And so, yeah. you know, if you, if you pick, pick a, a bubble or a fad like Beanie Babies or Tulip Mania or all these other historic things that have come and gone, they, they don't follow adoption curves. They're, they're, they, they have this cute little spike and then they absolutely crater and they never come back and digital assets simply don't do that. So you, yeah. you, you have to be faced with the realization that this is not going away. This is truly the future. And Oh, by the way, you know, we're seeing news that 
these large legacy players are starting to come together for crypto exchanges and things. And it's just a matter of time before they experience firsthand just the efficiencies of having thing on things on chain before everything is just like you said. So um, I think that encouragement was, was exactly where we wanted to end up. And so Jillian, you read my show notes. I don't even have to ask you that question. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, totally nailed it. Um, but I, I will, I will let you um, close the episode out with, um, you know, just what you can do if you're an advisor and you're struggling, you know, give, give them some tips, feedback, where conversations happen. Um, we, we, we just announced the Crossroads conferences is, is coming oh, back I next year. Oh, I on my so. calendar. Cannot wait. Oh, Jillian, thank you. You'll be the, the, the first and probably the only for, for a very long time, but we're, we're, we're thrilled to thrilled to have you. So, um, no, like I said, I'll let you have the, the last word. Thank you so much, Jillian, for uh, joining us today. Oh, thank you. Uh, the DAO is a great place for resources. Um, you know, conversations going on there is, you know, that's the whole reason it's there. Um, you know, and it all comes from us trying to help each other out, you know, what's working and what's not working, provide encouragement. Um, that, that would be the first place that I would encourage everybody to go. Um, uh, and, and if anybody wants to reach out to me and ask me specifically what I'm doing as far as the exchanges, I'm happy to provide that feedback. I'm actually hooked up with three for different various reasons. So, you know, that makes it a little bit more cumbersome, but it, you know, that was making it work for different types of clients. There's not a solution yeah. that encompasses all everything that we need today. Hopefully that will be the case very shortly. Um, yeah. You know, and because it is digital assets and we're talking about technology and, and software, I do think it'll be a lot faster than traditional financial systems. Um, I do yeah. think that we will have better standards of procedure and, you know, things that we can do and, you know, better chance moving forward. Um, we're, right now we're in the wild, wild west. So we just got to be patient. We got to hold on. We just got to know that the conversations we have to have over and over and over again are going to be worth it in the long term. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll provide some uh, LinkedIn and, and social media uh, handles for you, Jillian, in the, the show notes so people can reach out to you that way. Um, and again, thank you so much for your time and joining us and sharing your, your experience, the, the highs, the lows and everything in between. Thanks so much, Justin. That'll do it for the Crypto for Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the world. Stay crypto, my friends.